And so those are the three senses of waiting and expectation of Advent. But, you know, for me, uh, especially uh, because I, I grew up with lots of church, but in Portland, Oregon, an area where, you know, less than 4% of people have any kind of meaningful relationship with the scriptures and church, I always ask, what's the big deal? So why is the birth of Jesus such a big deal? Why was the birth of Jesus such a big deal that it sponsored, it initiated, it sparked these four written accounts of his life, of his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection? What's the big deal? And I want to narrow our focus a little bit this morning. What were they expecting? Because clearly the people that lived at this time were expecting something. If you read the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or other other historical accounts, it's clear that the people of the day were expecting something. They were waiting for something. And so we have, um, as much as uh, we have some waiting on the arrival of a baby uh, in the natural now, there are also, some of us are waiting on the arrival of relatives. My parents will be arriving Christmas morning. It's kind of a season for us to be waiting on the arrival, and, and hopefully it's of people that you're looking forward to seeing. Just breathe, it's okay. But I, I want to bring us, because I think this is, regardless of how much time you've spent with God, I think this is an important question. What was it that they were expecting? What was it that they were expecting? So let's, let's flip over to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read some scripture today. We're going to read a decent amount today. Matthew chapter 1, I'd like to read verses 18 through 23. Matthew 1, 18 through 23. This is how Jesus the Messiah, or people that were spoke a street Greek, but had a Hebrew accent or some Yiddish or some, you know, you know pardon the pun, uh, some Hebrew vocabulary would have said Yeshua, Yamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, quoting the prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, this Emmanuel, which we sang earlier this morning, is a very important aspect of the identity of Jesus Christ. And if we are going to gather around the name of Yeshua, Yamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, we should kind of understand what that means. And we sing Emmanuel, this prediction, God with us. So think about this. Prior to you having heard the creation story or the name of Jesus or anything from the scripture, you were pondering, why on earth am I here? Anyone? Where did all this come from? How did this all exist? The first time we're pondering, is there a God? And, And if there is a God, what is this God like? 
Most humans that started that pondering, some of which have lived their life in denial that a God exists, some of which started other religions, most humans have not come away with a concept of a God who is near and dear to us, of a God who is with us. Instead, most have either believed that there is no God or there is a God that may have started this all and has left disinterested, disappointed, whatever, or there is a God that is above us and is kind of like a mean old guy with a white beard in the sky with a stick, kind of closer to Krampus than Santa. It's okay, don't Google that, you might be disturbed. But what most people did not come But instead, God chose to reveal himself as, be paying attention, was a God who is with us. So where does this image come from, and why was it that that is what they were expecting? That when the angel spoke this prophecy, that Mary instantly knew of what the angel was speaking. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 7. I'll get there. Isaiah, it's in the middle of your Bible, roughly speaking. If you have an app, I guess that doesn't mean anything to you. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So here we have these three verses you see on the screen. And here we have this starter point, if you will, of the image of the birth of Christ and why it's important. And what we have is a hint of what they were expecting. God who is with us. I like Brett, uh, did I get these backwards? Got these backwards. Let's start with C.S. Lewis quote. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Some refer this to a God-sized hole. Some of us said, Remember a scripture that says of human desire there is no end. There's always cravings that, that without end. That's, which is why many of us find ourselves disappointed. Um, in fact, it is why so many of us find ourselves disappointed at the holidays in particular, because if we make serving family members and serving others, which is a God value, which is a God idea, but if we make that our number one, we will always be disappointed because they are humans and of human desire there is no end. So parents in particular, I speak to you today. Yes, it is true that It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But if you have made your child's joy the number one thing in your life, you will be disappointed. You will experience depression. You will experience anxiety. You will experience discouragement. Your child's joy is not the number one. Sorry, Charlotte and Gideon, my children on the front row. It is a wonderful thing, a valuable thing, and something that we should value that is of a God idea, but it is not the number one. But Jesus said, instead, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So you cannot be a good parent, a joy-filled, a peace-filled parent if God is not your number one. 
that was worth the price of admission. But hey, it's a sci-fi season, right? Everyone's talking about Star Wars, so I like this quote from Brett McCracken that connects to the C.S. Lewis quote. Science fiction, bringing art and science together, is often the place where the metaphysical longings and liturgies of secular faith find their home. <laughs> so allow me, if I will, to talk about a virgin birth, something from sci-fi. So what is this Messiah that they were yearning for, that they were desiring, that they were longing? I'm so glad you asked. Messiah means anointed, appointed, chosen, expected. One to whom everyone was looking for help and deliverance. See, people in this day had hundreds of years of hints, of prophecies, of these little Words from God about what was yet to come. And the first thing, well, let me give you a preview first of what we're going to walk through this morning. Savior Messiah. You see bullet pointed there. God with us. I'm just going to take just a few. Just a few of the messianic prophecies from scripture today. Just a few. Here's a few of the word pictures that we're going to see today. God with us. Jesus would be. The Messiah would be God with us. The Messiah would be the Son of the living God, both 100% human and 100% divine. And that's very important. Third, he would be a great light, light breaking upon us, a light for all nations. Fourth, a Prince of Peace. This is important. Prince of Peace. The Messiah would be bringing healing, freedom, justice, comfort, and good news. Smile, somebody, today. I come to bring you good news. No, I'm not going to be changing costumes and doing a Christmas pageant for you, but I'm still coming to bring you good news. Some of you say, thank you. You were not ready for the disturbing image of Mary with a beard. (laughs) So we start with this image that the Messiah would be God with us, Emmanuel. This is important because if God was going to enter the equation. If God was going to enter the scene, because no human that is born into sin, that is like a kid playing in a mud puddle, could pay the price that we needed for our sin. A one sacrifice, once and done, one for all. No human could do that because we were born into sin. But there needed to be this divine that would enter the world. There needed to be someone clean that could Wash us kids playing in the mud puddle. Are you with me? And yet what is so important to God was that he also clothed himself with humanity. For a time, as he walked the earth, he set aside his divine abilities. An important doctrine to understand. He set aside those things. He was tempted in every way that we were. He lived a human life. He was the son of God. He walked among us. He was tempted the way that we were, and yet without sin. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was human and divine. Walked among us that he could say that right now, when Jesus is near the Father making intercession for us, which is what he said he would do, he is describing to God the Father what the human life is like. You have a great high priest, not in today's message, you have a great high priest who is not one that has no understanding about what your life is like. Do you sit today disappointed by your life? Betrayed by some? 
disenfranchised, discouraged, depressed. Jesus understands that. Jesus was himself disappointed, himself discouraged, himself depressed, himself betrayed. Don't believe me? Stuck in traditional church? Read your Bible. It's in there. Jesus, the Son of the living God, lived a human life. He hurt. He cried. He bled. Oh, Pastor Ben, this is good today. Oh, good. All right, let's continue. I want to talk a little bit about Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is writing around 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. And in his book, we see God described as a God of justice, a God of mercy, and a God of comfort. We find many prophetic words about the coming Messiah in the book of Isaiah. We see a clear picture that only through the Messiah will salvation come to all the nations. In the New Testament, we find more than 60 quotations from Isaiah, in fact, more than any of the prophetic books. And we see the clearest picture in Isaiah of what the life story of the uh, Messiah would look like. We hear the clear call of coming salvation through this Messiah. So people that were waiting on hope, people that were expecting something better than their life would have read and quote and memorized Isaiah. It's why they were looking for something. The Prince of Peace, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. So where do we see Jesus fulfilling this prophecy? Matthew chapter 4 verses 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested and he left Judea and returned to Galilee, he went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali beside the sea beyond the Jordan River in Galilee where so many Gentiles live. The people sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. But we who live in Baltimore City live in a land where death has cast its shadow and a light has shined. Jesus is this great light Okay, don't believe me? Let's go John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 8. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He created, God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Luke chapter 1. Verses 
Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Jesus is the great light. Have you found yourself in the dark? They were waiting for a Messiah who was the great light. Okay, so punt on what Americans think of as Christmas. But don't leave Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulder and he will, shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Are you lacking peace in your life? There is but one true source of peace. My Jesus. My Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Yeshua. Hamashiach. Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Prince of Peace. Oh, sorry. I had other verses for that too, which are also good. Moving on. Healing. Isaiah. Chapter 35, why was it that they expected healing? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to Isaiah's prophecies. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 through 6. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will water the wasteland. Oh, what a healing is described here. Luke chapter 7. Did Jesus fulfill this? Luke chapter 7. I should have bookmarked all these. It would have been easier. Luke chapter 7. Verses 20 through 23. John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? They were looking, they were expecting. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John, Tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 5. 
John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told him, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the leper are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Jesus is kind of the point. If you are in need of healing, to whom do we turn? The gift that was prepared, the Messiah who was predicted, Jesus, the Savior, the Christ. What else were they looking for? They were looking for freedom and justice. Let's go back to Isaiah. Hang in there with me. This is worth it. Isaiah chapter 42. Someone look at your neighbor and say, this is good news. You can do better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, this is good news. Freedom and justice. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 7. Look at my servant. Whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. That literally means he will make right what is wrong. Anyone see anything wrong? He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will, in other words, he's not a brute. He's not a bully. He's not going to make right the wrongs the way humans do. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout all the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God, the Lord, created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks on the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in the dungeons. Where do we see this? Fulfilled. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. But Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left that area, and many people followed him, and he healed all the sick among them. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and I will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. That sounds like justice and freedom. That sounds right. It sounds good. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Verses 27 through 32. Then she lived as a widow until the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been expectantly waiting for God to rescue Jerusalem. See, am I in the right place here? 27 through 32. Sorry, I started at the wrong place. 27. 
That day, this is speaking of Simeon. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant, referring to himself, die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Let's go to John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Isn't that beautiful? Where we experience darkness, where we experience lack, confusion, frustration, where we experience an inability to see our way forward in our life, it's not necessary. If we will every day follow Jesus with all our heart, if we will lift Him up, if He will be the first, our life is much, much better. He is the good news. Let's look at, let's go back to Isaiah one more time. Isaiah chapter 61, starting in verse 1. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. Where do we see this fulfilled? Let's let's look just at at Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They knew what this meant. Then he began to speak. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. They didn't know what to think about that. Everyone spoke well of him, was amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? For all of human history, people have been baffled by the Yeshua, Yamashia, Jesus, the Savior, our Christ, our Messiah, 100% divine, 100% human, God with us. 
a savior that they were looking for, waiting for, that would not come as a bully, a brute, a political power, would come as merciful, gracious God with us, who had in his hands both justice and mercy, who would bring freedom, who would bring healing, who would set things right, who would comfort those who mourn, who would be near, who would comfort the brokenhearted. And we have lost one of our own this year. We, and you may in your own life be mourning the death of someone that was close to you. Or maybe you have a brokenheartedness through a miscarriage or a loss of a career or something else. Jesus is not a God who lords over you. He is a God who lords alongside you. Why would they be looking waiting so expectantly for a God who was indifferent, who didn't help, who wasn't a guide, who didn't change how dark, dirty, and discouraging this life would be. No, they weren't waiting for that. His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, each of them fulfilled prophecies. And they were all a culmination of what had been predicted. What had been predicted? Savior, Messiah. God with us. Son of God. A great light. A Prince of Peace. Bringing healing and freedom and justice and comfort and good news. This is why we gather. This is why we celebrate. This is the reason for the season. I I honestly don't care if you decorate or what you do in your home as it relates to Christian traditions. It could be a festivist pole and I could enjoy it. But do you know Jesus? That is what I care about. And if your joy is derived first from Him, then joy derived from other relationships can be fulfilling. But if you are looking for fulfillment in human relationships first, you will always be disappointed. You will always find yourself discouraging. I don't often refer to this, but when I was nine years old, I suffered sexual abuse at the hand of other children. And the outcome of that in my life included that for me, things kind of needed to be right. If stuff didn't go right, like kind of the holidays or if we organized a party or different things, I would be very discouraged. I would be, I would take it hard and it would be, it would frustrate me. And sometimes I would be angry, but a lot of times I would just withdraw and I couldn't receive love the way normal people receive love anymore. And so I would be in a crowd of people and I had wonderful parents, but I was discouraged and I felt lonely. And a part of the emotional outcome in my life was that if things weren't just right, I was very disappointed. But a part of that was because when I was nine years old, my world went wrong. Control was taken from me and I lost years of innocence and years of joy. Now, I'm healed. I'm not describing this so that you will feel sorry for me. I lost my childhood. 
I lost normal childhood, normal adolescence, normal peace and joy, whatever normal is. And because things went so wrong and I had no control over it and I couldn't seem to control my response to it, that is the reason why later in life, and it took me decades to figure this out, and not honestly, not entirely on my own, but through the steps of recovery and through mentors and through the Word of God and a lot of time in prayer and in worship, but a lot of time with talk therapy and other things as well. The, I discovered that a part of that outcome, a part of a, I would be disappointed if I... Uh, some of you remember, what was it, uh, last year I got food poisoning on Easter and Rebecca had to preach and... I had, like, spring break. My parents were both teachers, so we would go to the coast. That was more predictable than our summer vacations, which they put a lot of time and energy and money being poor into good memories for us as a kid. But I, I had bronchitis four times as a kid. And when my illness, or then later on when I was in middle school, my father contracted an inner ear virus by so traveling in Latin America and was wiped out, and doctors wanted him to go on disability. And so our fishing trip stopped, and my normal childhood stopped. When things like that would happen, when things where it was supposed This good thing was supposed to happen and then it didn't happen. You know, kind of like when you get socks for Christmas. When that would happen in my life, I would get really discouraged. I would get sometimes depressed and lonely. Can anyone identify with what I'm talking about? My point is that not until I found grace in Jesus and I started to live to connect with who God really is, not what people told me, not what I heard about Him, what I found in the Scripture And I would walk every day by myself and talk to him and listen to him and go back to the scripture. When I for years made it, and let me tell you, I was suicidal at 16. And when I turned around to Jesus at 16 years old, with God as my witness from that day to this, every day I pursue an awareness of his presence because I literally believe that my life depends upon it. It is my oxygen supply. I was not born for this world. I am an alien in this world. I am an eternal spiritual being having a temporary natural experience. I am born for heaven above. And when I get to heaven, I will no longer be able to tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. And when I started to get clued into that, and when my joy started to be derived from God first and who he really is, when I started to allow him to be who he really is and not be held inside a box of human wisdom and human understanding, but to let him be the lion that C.S. Lewis described, to let him be free to be who he truly is. And I came to to find Jesus the Messiah for who he was predicted to be when I came to consume all of my intellect and my emotions and my decision making year after year after year what happened as a result I got a joy that you can't take from me I got a healing on the inside of me so that when people don't like the gift that I prepared, I am no longer depressed. 
when a holiday doesn't go the way I want it to, when I get sick on my vacation, when I'm disappointed in human relationships, and I do get disappointed in human relationships, I do get hurt. When that happens, it no longer takes over. A minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, it no longer hinders my ability to receive love. Now, I'm not trying to put my human experience on you. But as humans, we all get broken in different ways. What is the joy of this season really supposed to be? Where is it really supposed to come from? I think these are questions that matter. Because I think God loves you. And the best has already come. The light of the world has already come. So if you're disappointed in your own tree, who cares? How do we respond? How how do we respond? Watch this now. Believe in your heart and be willing. I'm, I'm summarizing this passage. Believe in your heart. Be willing to openly say that Jesus is Lord. And you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The end of that passage is quoting another prophecy. Everyone. No, the people I like. The people that vote the way I vote. None of those other fools. The people who sing the songs I like to sing at Christmas. The people that smell, you know, just so. The people who don't pay their taxes. The people who do pay. Whatever your deal is. No. Everybody. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how do we respond to this Savior? Receive new life. How do you know hypocrisy and religion and legalism and the type of Christianity that is not actually Christianity but is focused on external behaviors because people have gotten away from their point of salvation. They've gotten too far from where they were forgiven or they never were to begin with. We have many churches filled with people that are going to hell. Joy is a prerequisite. It's our reasonable response. No matter how bad it gets on this earth, you're destined for heaven. Inform your fat face. You, you know how, you have a beautiful face. I was referring to myself. Just referring to myself. Receive new life. Receive new life the way that Jesus said. And what did he say? We read it today, John chapter 4. Repent of your sins. Turn around. Change your lifestyle. Stop living to please yourself first. That's first. Receive new life. Second, live out your thank you. Live it out. Your life should not be, okay, now I've got to follow, I've got to do these things and not do these things. Whoa, time out. No. Live out of a thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I thought that was really good. I thought that. 
I think this is the kind of perspective that we need. It helps us identify wrong theology, wrong teaching that we've heard, and anchor into true biblical teaching, sound doctrine that has been reliable for centuries. Thank you, Pastor Ben. We appreciate that. One, receive new life. Two, live out your thank you. Three, share it. Share it. Jesus walked the earth. He walked around the Sea of Galilee, right? We heard about that. The Jordan River flows south out of the Sea of Galilee into what? The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea you can still go to today. Salt content is so high, almost nothing lives in it. You can float in it even if you can't swim. Why is it dead? It takes in, but it doesn't give out. This is the spiritual principle of the seas. If all you do is take in and you don't give out, you will spiritually die. Some people are the kind of, quote, Christians that outsiders hate because all they do is take in and they don't give out and they become spiritually fat and spiritually sick. It's simple math. Over the holidays, I take in more calories than I burn, and there is a result. This shape that I work so hard to maintain. When you take in, give out! And don't exercise as a way to weight loss. It doesn't work. You could spend an hour doing cardio, and it's one piece of bread. Okay, share! So depressing, but medically true! Medically true! That's why we do prayer and fasting in January. Sorry, different subject. (laughs) Share. Share Jesus with others. So in closing today, let us ask ourselves these two questions. Are you looking for the Savior? Are you hopefully expectant? Are you ready? Are you ready? One reason why I like football is that at every play, I can see the chessboard of 11 on 11 on the field. I love, I played soccer a lot more, played small time college soccer, coached high school soccer, American football, we call it. But I prefer American football as a spectator sport because I can see the chess pieces and where they line up. And right before the snap, you can see, if you're paying attention, which receiver, which running back is ready. Their posture, they're ready. They're about to explode and they're expecting the ball to come to them. If you're not aware, you're all invited to our house for lunch after (laughs) service where we can watch the Ravens and we can enjoy each other's company, right? Are you looking for the savior. If my running around and my errands and all the, and we do errands, all right, and they're not always fun and sometimes they're discouraging. And actually we were going to have a Christmas card for you today, but there was a snafu with the printer and that was one of my errands yesterday. Not fun. Not fun. But in my errands that are not fun, am I looking for the savior? Are you looking for the savior? Are you contagious? in your expectation. Are you contagious? <laughs> Stifle sneeze. Are you contagious in your expectation? If we will be contagious in our expectation, we won't have empty seats here or in our homes. If we truly believe what we say, we believe. That this is the Jesus we serve. Let's stand and close in prayer.
I love you guys so much, and I'm so glad that you came today uh, because I was really excited to share this with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are who you said you are, that you sent Jesus the Messiah, who, the Prince of Peace, God with us, bringing freedom and good news. Help us to respond by living our lives out of a thank you, by sharing you with others. I thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen.